Good to see all of you that are out this evening. Appreciate your interest in the meeting that's going on at this place. We've got some I know that are visiting from other congregations. We're especially uh, thankful for your presence. And uh, for those who may be visiting from the community, we especially welcome you. Certainly would want you to uh, make yourself at home this evening. We would like you to come back and visit anytime you have an opportunity or be here every time the doors are open. I know the congregation would welcome you with open arms and want you to be a part of the work that they're doing in this community. It is a pleasure to come to Amarillo and to spend time with you guys, and I've had a blast this week, uh, and I hope that that's been the case for all of you as well. Um, it truly is an enjoyable experience to be around the encouragement that you guys uh, and ladies put off, um, and you guys are very encouraging to the work and encouraging to the church, and God bless you guys and your efforts uh, here uh, at the Amarillo Church of Christ. I told you guys last Sunday that I was wanting to do some talks out of the Old Testament, and I know sometimes, in some cases, some people look at that as a yawner, and I will tell you, though, that the Old Testament is a fascinating book, and there are tons and tons of fascinating Old Testament stories, and I think there's a lot of lessons we can learn from some Old Testament stories. It teaches us a lot about the character of God, the nature of God, and what God expects of His people. And so that being said, I want to continue with that theme tonight. And for the next three lessons, I've got a series called Blind to the Blaze. And that uh, basically is dealing with the life of Elisha. Now I want to set a little bit of the context for you uh, in this story. We're going to be covering over the next three sermons from 1 Kings chapter 19 to 2 Kings chapter 13. Before we get into that, I want to remind you of the passage in Romans chapter 15 and verse number 4 that says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. And I think there's a lot of things we can learn from the Old Testament. I want to look at the story of Elisha. I want to walk from, from the time he's called to be a prophet of God until his death. And I've kind of divided that up into three different sections. And tonight we're going to introduce the concept of Elisha. Now, that being said, let me put it in context for you. There are a couple of characters, and they're kind of in the same part of Scripture. One is Elijah, the other is Elisha. And I want you to notice they are not the same guys. In fact, to put you in context in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah is in a cave, and he's feeling sorry for himself, and he's saying, woe is me. I'm the only one left faithful. I'm the only one willing to follow you, God. You might as well take my life, because I'm the only one that, that's left. And, and God comes to him or, and tells him, he said, there are 7,000 faithful people that have not bowed the knee to Baal that are willing to serve me. Now get up, they need leadership. Get up, get out there and lead them. And we're going to pick up the story in that time. Elisha is one of those that God told Elijah that he was going to call to be a prophet. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse number 16. Jehu the son of Nimshah shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel Meholah shalt thou anoint to be a prophet in thy room. So God tells Elijah, I want you to go take Elisha and I want you to make him a prophet. My people need leadership. My people need a prophet. My people need somebody working for them and, and caring for them and, and, and seeing for them and working for them. And that individual was Elisha. And I want you to notice he goes out to find Elisha in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse number 19. So he departed thence, talking about Elijah, and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he with the 12th. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. Now he goes out there to find Elisha, and Elisha is plowing a field. He's a farmer. With 12 yoke of oxen, now I want to tell you, I, I don't have any farming experience hardly at all 
outside of running to Plainview or something and helping guys move pipe. But, but I mean, I really don't have any farming experiences. I'm not making fun of farmers in any way. I'm not belittling farmers. I'm just saying that, that this guy's a farmer. He wasn't solving or curing cancer. Okay, and I'm not saying that's bad to be a farmer. Most of us have agricultural roots, even if we're not involved in agriculture. It's an honorable profession, but he's farming. He's just doing the things to make a living that you and I would normally do. Comes from a very simple background. And he was called to be a prophet of God. John 6, verse number 44 talks about God's calling today. You know, we're called today. No man can come to me, Jesus said, except the Father which has sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. There is a calling on your life today to be called of God, to serve in his kingdom, to be a part of his kingdom, just like there was for Elisha. And you may be sitting there today and say, yeah, but I come from simple roots, or I come from maybe a bad background, or my parents are this, or whatever. And I want to tell you, it's not going to make a difference. If God's called you, you can be used in his kingdom. First, or Luke chapter 6 and verse number 13. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. And of them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. And you notice he called apostles from all different types of backgrounds that were useful to him in his ministry. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye have heard of us, ye received it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. God's word's calling you today. And I want to tell you God's word works in you today. Should be working on you today. God's word is calling. And he's calling you to work to be a part of his kingdom. Now, we can look at some of the people that God had used in different places. He used a farmer in Elisha, a fisherman in Peter, a carpenter in Christ, a physician in Luke, tent makers in Priscilla and Aquila, a persecutor in Paul, a slave in Onesimus. And I want to tell you, he can use you from any background as well. Now, once again, not making fun of farming by any stretch, just saying that he can use a very simple background and do great things. He was called to follow, he had a job to do, he was called to follow Elijah. He was called to be a follower of Elijah, to minister to Elijah. Elijah was going to be his mentor. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse number 20, I just want you to notice, Elisha left the oxen and he ran after Elijah and he said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother and then I'll follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? Or what have I, what have I done to thee, he said. Now, I want you to look at this for just a moment. He's out plowing a field with 12 yoke of oxen. Now that in and of itself has got to be a little challenging. I don't have a lot of farming background, but 12 yoke of oxen sounds like work. Just keeping 12 yoke of oxen together to accomplish a task. But he leaves the oxen. He goes after Elijah because Elijah's called him to be a prophet of God. He says, give me just a sec. I want to go back and tell my folks by. And then I want you to notice what happens in verse number 21. He returned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. He ultimately did exactly what he was called to do, minister to Elijah. I want you to notice what he did. He's, he's out there farming with oxen. When he goes back to his folks, he boils the oxen. He's not planning on coming back to farming. He's committed to what it is that God's called him to do. God called him to minister to Elijah, called him to be a prophet of God, to the children of God, and he's committed to that. He said, that's what I'm going to do, and he boils the oxen. Then I want you to also notice he, he also destroyed the instruments of the oxen. So the yokes that held the oxen together, he was not going back to farming. 
He's through farming. You may remember in Acts, in the book of Acts on the first missionary journey, Acts chapter 12, verse number 25, they made a decision that they were going to take that first missionary journey and they went up into Antioch of Pisidia and Lystra, Derby, Iconium, etc. into that first missionary journey and they decided to take with them on that journey John Mark. In Acts chapter 12, verse number 25, Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and they took with them John whose surname was Mark. Y'all remember the story of John Mark? They called John Mark to go with them, to minister to them, to help them, to go to work with them, to help them on the missionary journey. And then John Mark got part of the way through and decided he wanted to go back home to Mama. He was through. He, he quit early. I remember the story of John Mark very well because I was doing some mission work in Nigeria and we were sitting in Simeon's house. I mean, you guys remember Simeon. He's since passed away, but Simeon, we were sitting in Simeon's house in his living room and and if you've never been to Africa, it's hard to explain except to say that it smells like Africa and it's dirty like Africa and it's hot like Africa and you think it's hot in Amarillo, Texas. They don't have a place to go to to get cool. I mean, it just, it's hot. It's, it's just one of those things you do not because it's a luxury vacation but because you need to be there. But we had a group of guys in Simeon's living room. We were saying just 13 more days. We go back to the United States. 13 more days. And Simeon walked through the living room and he said, John Mark, John Mark, that's all we got. It's a bunch of John Marks always wanting to go home in the middle of the, middle of the journey, middle of the missionary, middle of the job, always wanting to go home, John Mark. That's John Mark. He's a quitter. He wasn't committed to the cause. He's a quitter. He started the journey. He had a job to do. Acts 13 and verse number 5 tells us a little bit of what his job was to be. When they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogue of Jews. They also had John to their minister. John had been asked to go along to help, to minister, to help with them. And then we see later in Acts 13, 13 that he quit. When the, Paul and his company was loose from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia. And John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. He got halfway through the journey and decided to go back to the house. He didn't want to do the thing, didn't want to do the journey any longer. In fact, Acts 15, it created quite a dissension when they decided to take a second missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas started arguing with one another because Barnabas wanted to take his nephew, John Mark, and Paul said he's not fit for the ministry if he's going to get halfway through the journey and head back to the house. He's not committed to the cause. So we're not going to take it. It created, the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder from one another. And Barnabas took Mark, and you remember Paul took Silas. And they went different directions to go do that. Now, I will tell you, later in John Mark's life and later in Paul's life, Paul talked about John being profitable to him for the ministry. And there was some reconciliation we see in Scripture. But the reality is, John Mark was a quitter at this stage in his life. And he wasn't helpful to the ministry. He wasn't accomplishing what he needed to accomplish. Y'all remember Cortez, the story of Cortez? These uh, individuals from Spain had traveled and by ship and come over to the Americas. And his men had gotten off the boat and they began to build places to live. And they began to plant seed and, and pestilence and war. There were natives that were trying to kill them. And uh, they were meeting harsh winters that were, people were dying. And Cortez's guys were always looking out there in the horizon and they could see the ships out there. They could go home to the motherland. 
And they could just wait till they could go home to the motherland. Do you remember what happened? Cortez said, burn the ships. You know what Cortez was saying? We're committed to this. We're in. We're all in. We're not going home to the motherland. There's no quitting here. We're not doing the John Mark thing. We're committed to what it is that we're doing. And I want to appeal to you. The same thing was true with Elisha. Elisha was all in. He went and boiled the oxen. He went and destroyed the instruments of the oxen. He was not going back to farming. He was all in. He was committed to what it was he was called to do. And that was to be a prophet of God to the people of Israel. Now... Luke chapter 9 and verse number 62, Jesus said, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, there's some people who start the Christian walk and they don't finish the Christian walk. They start the Christian walk, but they start to look behind them. And they, maybe they look back into the world or they see the, the, the lure of what Satan has to offer. Or maybe they're just not committed. I want to talk to you today about being committed. I want to talk to you today about being all in. God not only calls us and not only God... God calls us to be committed, but God calls us to be present and committed. 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse number 2, we move kind of into a different phase. Elisha and Elijah are working together. And Elijah says to Elisha, Tarry here and I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. Now they're traveling along and Elijah looks to Elisha and said, you just stay right here. I'm going to go on up here to this city. And he says, you just stay here. And Elisha says, I'm not leaving you. I w- I, my job was to minister to you. My job was to be a prophet of God. My job was to be with you. I'm not leaving you. So they went together to Bethel. And this happened several times. If you look at 2 Kings chapter 2. Uh, Elijah said to him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord liveth, thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came down to Jericho. So every time they come to a town, and there's several times, several instances in 2 Kings chapter 2, he says, you just stay right here, I'm going to go over here for a little while. And he says, I'm not leaving you, I'm going to be here, I'm going to be by your side. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse number 8 through verse number 10. I want you to notice that Elijah took his mantle. They're traveling along. He wrapped it together. He smote the waters. They were divided hither and thither so that they too went over onto dry ground. It's kind of one of those Moses moments, you know, where he raised his rod and the waters parted and they went through on dry ground. It's that type of thing that Elijah and Elisha are just walking along and he takes a mantle and he smites the water and the waters part and they go, they go over on dry ground. So verse number 9, 2 Kings chapter 2, it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for thee. Before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon thee. Now I'm going to put you, take you out of the King James for a moment. Put you in the King Taiyese instead of the King Jamesese uh, language for a moment. But you know, basically they're walking along and, and, and Elijah smites the waters. The waters part. And Elisha, uh, Elijah later said to Elisha, what can I do for you? What? And he goes, you remember that thing you did with the water? I'll take two of those. That's what I'd like. I'd like two of that. I'd like the ability to be able to part waters. That'd be good. Look at verse number 10. Elijah says to him, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if it be not, it shall not be so. You know what he basically told Elisha? If you're here present and accounted for, when I'm taken up from you, when I'm called of God, and you're present, you witness the event, you'll get a double portion of that spirit. But if you're not here and you're not present, you're going to miss that blessing. 
2 Kings chapter 2, verse number 11. Y'all remember the story of how Elijah was taken up by a whirlwind. Verse number 11, 2 Kings 2, it came to pass as they still went on and talked that, Behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan River. Now, here they stand, they're together. Elijah had told him, if you're here present accounted for when I'm taken, you'll get a double portion of the Spirit. You'll get a double portion of this, this Spirit of God upon you. And then they, they look, they're together, and Elijah is taken up in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha is sitting there watching that event take place. And if you look at the Old Testament, several times in several stories of the Old Testament, you'll see this phrase that they rent their clothes, that they sat in sackcloth and ashes. And essentially it's they were in grief, they were in mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. They, they were in deep sadness. And that's the case here with Elisha. He just lost his mentor, Elijah. He just lost his friend. He just lost his job, essentially, the guy that he is ministering to, that he cared for. He's taken up into heaven. What's he going to do? He's standing by the river with the mantle that had fallen down from him. What am I going to do? And he's in grief. He's in extreme grief over this. But you know, the reality is he's called to be present and committed. He was asked, you be here when this happens, and you'll get a double portion of that spirit. Now, I want to walk away this evening with some lessons I think we can learn. From this story that I want you to take home with you. And every night we're going to try to build on these things. Because there's a lot of things about this story of Elisha that I think are very enlightening to us. But first of all, I want you to walk away and recognize the fact that you can be used of God from any background. It doesn't matter your background. God can use you. God has called us to be faithful and committed followers of His. He's asking you to be all in. He's asking you... To say, I'm going to burn the oxen. I'm going to, in Texas, we would say, we're going to throw a barbecue. We're going to, you know, it's, we're not going back to farming. We're not raising beef anymore. We're not doing the things we were doing before. We're, our life's going to be different from this point in time. And God's calling you today to be all in. I want to tell you something. You know, you can't be half all in. You can't be a quarter all in. You're either all in or you're not all in. You know, when we start talking about church work, we start talking about spiritual development and spiritual lives. I want to make an appeal to you tonight to be all in. Husbands are in this room. Are you all in as a husband? And you say, I'm in. I'm, I'm going to be dedicated to the calling that's been upon me. I've, I've been called to be a husband. I've been called to be a father. You all in? What about a mother? You all in? What about a church member the Amarillo Church of Christ? You all in? Or the other place you may go to church, uh, we got visitors in the crowd, whatever that congregation is. Are you all in? Are you dedicated to the cause? I can tell you there's a lot of folks that are half all in. They're all in as long as they're happy. They're all in as long as it's good times. They're all in as long as it's about me. They're all in as long as it is conditional all in. What I'm asking you is all in, not half all in. Do you have that kind of commitment to the cause? What about your calling to, to Christ? At some point in time, you stood in a baptistry of water and a preacher said, Upon the confession of your faith and upon your obedience to the gospel of Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost for the remission of your sins. And you said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm all in. 
Then somewhere along the way we get sidetracked and we, we get focused maybe on self or we get focused on other things and we lose the fact that we're... I want to encourage you to burn the ships. I want to encourage you to throw the barbecue or the bowl or whatever it is and whatever those things were that were enticing you beforehand that you had as a job to do, that you make the decision today that those jobs God's called you to do, whether it be a Christian or a father or a husband or a mother or a child or a student, whatever those things are, that you be all in with it. You be dedicated to it to the point you burn the ships. We're not going back to where we were. There's a song we sing, at least in some books, that says, I'm too near heaven, my home, to turn back now. I'm not turning back. I'm committed to this thing. We're going to make this thing work. And I tell you, when we start getting that kind of attitude, stuff starts working. When we start getting the, well, I'm all in as long as it's convenient. I'm all in as long as it's something that doesn't require a lot of commitment for me. Well, then I'm all in. That's not all in. And too often we've got homes that are destroyed or broken up or moms or dads or whatever because they stood before and made a vow before God and a company of witnesses, but... Somebody wasn't all in. Maybe both, but at least somebody wasn't all in. I want to encourage you to be all in. God's called you to be faithful and committed. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 12. I want you to notice, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Are you counted faithful tonight? Are you counted as one that's faithful Notice the third thing I want you to notice is God wants us present. Just like in the case of Elisha, he said, if you're here when when I'm taken up, you'll get a double portion of this blessing. God's called you to be present. You know, it's real easy a lot of times for us to say, yeah, I'm committed to the cause, I just never show up. Well, first of all, there's probably not a lot of commitment there. But secondly, showing up's a big important part of that commitment. Being present, being accounted for. You know, we talk a lot of times, maybe it would be church services even. You know, are we present? Are we there? Maybe it's when the church decides to do a particular activity or they're trying to do a ministry in the community. Are we present? Are we accounted for? Let's go back to the mom or dad role. Are we present? You know, we talk a lot of times about spending quality time with our kids. And don't get me wrong, quality time with kids is important time. That's an important thing to do. But what about quantity of time with kids? We live in a society a lot of times where dads feel an obligation to put in 80 and 90 hours a week and that kind of thing. They're not present. I can tell you of a situation in Central Texas where a husband's working all night long, the wife's working all day long. They never see one another. I'm not saying that everybody doesn't get in situations at times where that may be the case for a period of time. But I'm saying years and years of marriage that never see one another. I can tell you the end result of the marriage. It's destructive to a marriage to do that. Present is important. It's important to be present and accounted for. Your presence makes a difference. And it made a difference in the case of Elisha. And it makes a difference to you and I too. I know you're sitting there tonight and you say, he's fixing to quote Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 25 that says, not forsaking the assembling yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much more that you see the day approaching. And you're wrong. I'm going to use 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 17 that says, love the brotherhood. You know it solves a lot of the problems if you just love what it is that we do. 
It's not about preaching to somebody to be present. It's not about preaching. You know, I'm less concerned about somebody being present on a Wednesday night as I am concerned about them wanting to be present on Wednesday night. You know, sometimes people can't work and things get in the way. I recognize that. Everybody recognizes that. But what about the heart that wants to be, that, that is, that makes every effort to be? They're all in. They're committed to the cause. They're going to be a part. Where is that heart? Somebody may miss a particular event, mission event or uh, evangelistic event that the congregation's doing. You know, that happens. It happens to everybody. But what about the heart that says, I miss being there. I hate that I couldn't have been there. I, I would have done everything impossible to be there, but it wasn't possible. Where is that all-in, present, accounted-for type attitude? And I tell you, God calls us to be present. And I will tell you... That as we go through the story of Elisha, there are so many things that I think help us, can help us in seeing Elisha's life. We've left Elisha tonight at the banks of the River Jordan. He's in grief. Elijah has gone up in a whirlwind. He's separated, totally separated from his mentor, his calling, his job to minister to him. What's he going to do? He rends his clothes. He, his clothes were rent in two pieces. He's essentially sitting in sackcloth and ashes. He's in grief over the fact. What's he do? Does he give up? Does he stop? Or is he all in? And I will tell you the same guy that, that boiled the oxen, the same guy is ready to go to work for the people of God. I want to encourage you tonight. You've been called to God. You ready to go to work for God? You're going to be present and accounted for? Whatever that role is, whatever that responsibility is, you're willing to be committed to that? And I want to encourage you to do that tonight. We're going to sing an invitation song. As we sing the invitation song, you have an opportunity tonight to make a decision. Now, we're talking a lot of times about being all in or being committed. Right now, I'm talking to you about just simply answering the call. There's a call. His word calls. Jesus draws you to him. There is a calling that's been placed upon your life to be a Christian. And what are you doing with that call? Well, I can tell you what Elisha did with it. Elisha went and bowled the ox and answered and said, I'm, I'm all in. I'm here. And I'd ask you tonight as we sing this song, are you all in? Are you willing to, to set aside what, all the things that's, that hinders you and say, I'm dedicated to this decision, this decision to come to Christ tonight? We're going to sing the invitation song. And as that song's being sung, you make your way to the front, sit on the front bench, and one of the elders will assist you. And I promise you, with open arms tonight, they want to welcome you to the fold of God. Maybe you've been a part of the kingdom in the past, but it was the all-in problem. Maybe it was the, the or the lack of all-in problem. Maybe it was the, the, my eyes got focused on other stuff, or our lives got entangled in the affairs of this life, rather than being a soldier of Christ. And I want to encourage you tonight to rededicate yourself to the cause and put your feet inside the kingdom of Jesus Christ and say, I'm here and I'm here. And it's not about me and it's not about whether it's good times and all that sort of stuff. It's about being here and being committed to what the Lord's asked me to do. Good times or bad times doesn't matter. We're walking with Christ. We're making a decision to do that tonight. Will you answer the call tonight? Won't you come while we stand and sing the song that's been selected?